0: This morning we have the great privilege of having Brooks Harwood with us. Uh, Brooks and his wife Meredith and their little girl Sophie are at University of Houston. Um, Brooks is serving with RUF. He's been there for two years and is starting his third year and we've become good friends over the past couple of years. Um, We're really thankful for Brooks in our presbytery and we're really excited that he gets to share God's word with us this morning. Good morning. It's good to be with y'all. I wish I could see your faces. You can see mine, but I can't see yours, but that's okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, uh, I'm just really glad to be here with y'all, and I, uh, I'm i glad also to be able to preach over Psalm 32. Uh, one of those reasons is because it's, it's possibly my favorite psalm. It's, it's a sin psalm. It's a psalm of honesty. It's a psalm of confession. Uh, and the reason I like it so much is because honesty is, is so... Uh, appealing uh, a couple of years back actually right when we moved to Houston a friend of ours well he wasn't a friend yet we went to a dinner went over to this dinner knew people at our church we sat down at a table there's probably 10 people at the table we had not had our daughter Sophie yet I'm one of those people that I we, we I, the, the names came down to two different names we possibly going to name her Sophie possibly going to name her Lofton Sophie was uh, the cafeteria that Meredith and I met in and then Lofton was just a family name. I was one of those people that went around and asked random people what they thought we should name our daughter. And so we had just met these people at this dinner, and I said, hey, what should we name our daughter? And people, like, give their, their ideas. And it comes to Derek. We had just met Derek. Derek's a lawyer. And he goes, number one, he goes, Sophia's a generic name. Number two, Lofton is very unique. I've never heard that. Number three, I knew a Sophie in high school, and she was awful. Don't name your daughter Sophie. (laughs) I, like, kept it together. Like, people were laughing, and I said, Derek, sorry, your opinion's biased. I'm going to take it off the table. We're going to move on. And he's sitting there, like, in his lawyer mode, trying to get back into the conversation. We ended up naming her Sophie, and Derek's fine with it to this day. Um, The reason I tell you that, though, is because even though it's silly, Derek's honesty was compelling. It, it was attractive. Like, it was wonderful. You never have to guess what Derek is thinking because he'll tell you because he's painfully honest. But honesty's hard. Honesty's not easy. It's something that we kind of keep to ourselves. We, we, we think that if you were to know me, you were to know all my problems, all my pains, all my sins, you wouldn't like me anymore. You, you wouldn't want to know me anymore. And so we get really good at putting on a face. You know, we've become almost entrapped by the desire to not show each other who we really are, yet we still want it, we still want to be honest, we still want to be real, but we don't know how. This psalm is about that. This psalm gives us the power to confess. It gives us the ability to open up because it makes this one powerful claim that God actually likes forgiving people. Not that he has to, he likes it. He wants to. And so we can start being more open with him and with each other. So, read with me in Psalm 32. We're going to go through the whole thing. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me my strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer then i acknowledged my sin to you did not cover up my iniquity i said i'll confess my transgressions to the lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found surely when the mighty waters rise they'll not reach him you're my hiding place You'll protect me from trouble. Surround me with the songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be cur- controlled by bit and bridle, or they'll not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright. In heart. So something I, I, I meant to mention. This is a song, and this is probably something you've you've worked through with the Psalms. But this is a song. This is meant to be sung by God's people because it's meant to shape us into the kind of people that it's describing. And it says, really, in the beginning, uh, confess because it'll make you happy. This will actually make you happy. What do I see? That well, you know, in the first two verses, you see blessed. You see it twice. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. Blessed in Hebrew means happy. Happy is the one who does blank. And and what's interesting is that it's not the person you would expect. You see in this, this person is not doing great. They have not been faithful. They've messed up. They're a failure. And that's the person who's happy. It gives different words to describe what this hypothetical person has done. It says they've transgressed. In verse 1, they've broken God's boundaries of how he's made this world. They've sinned. Also in verse 1, he has sinned. The the, uh, things that they ought not have done, they've done. Things they should have done, they haven't done. And they've missed God's mark of perfection and glory. And then again, there's actually a different word here, but in verse 2 it says sin again. In Hebrew it's a different word than sin, and it really just means guilt. This person's heavy, this person's weighed down, this person feels dirty. And yet, they're the happy one in this psalm not because they're perfect but because they're forgiven so there's three different words that are given to kind of counter those other words it says blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven forgiven means to be lifted off it means all their sins are gone blessed is the one whose sins are covered it's as if they don't exist blessed is the one again the, the, whom the lord does not count their sins against them god's not thinking about this person's sins And that makes this person happy because of how forgiven they are. Not because of how perfect they are, but because how perfect God is, and they're happy. You know, years ago, my mom put a uh, kind of a weightlifting set in the shed out behind her condo. Uh, And I was 12 years old, went out for uh, the football team, probably weighed 99 pounds or something like that at that point and I wanted to lift weights, I wanted to get bigger and stronger and faster for football. Typically I would be working out with a friend of mine, I don't know why he wasn't around at this point, Uh, but it's during the summer, my mom's at work, I go into the shed, and I think, I'm gonna put some real weight on this thing. So I put everything that I have on there, and I get underneath it, I wanna do a bench press, you know, I push it up, easy. Down, again, good, it's getting a little harder though. Down again, and I'm stuck. (laughs) I can't do anything. Mind you, I have clips on on the outside, which prevent the weight from going anywhere. It is on me. There's nothing I can do. I can't cry out and call out to anybody. It's just me. So I start rolling it down my sternum, down to my stomach, down to my legs, down to the ground. I was like bruised for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I tell you this because I was convinced that I could throw all that weight on there and do it myself. I was convinced that I had the ability in it of myself to handle it. That I had the power to handle all of that when I didn't. That's exactly what we do. That's exactly what this psalm is actually pushing against. The belief that we can handle our own problems. The person in the psalm actually isn't happy because he handled his own problems. He's happy because God handled his problems. And yet, you and I, honestly, are, are very busy trying to act like we don't have problems with each other. We're trying to prove that we're perfect to everyone. We're well, really not. You know, we do this in social media. If you get onto social media, you kind of get into the rhythm of trying to prove that you're perfect Everybody, everybody. You have to. <laughs> the pictures you take, you want to be able to doctor them. You want to be able to make them exactly the way you want them to be. Kind of stew over what you're going to write and what you're going to say. There's even a whole, like, string, a, a movement of uh, perfect, imperfect pictures in social media. So it's like people will act like they've just woken up and their hair is all messed up and, oh, such a hard day. But like they took, you know, 20 minutes to set up the photo. It's a, it's a desire to perfect ourselves visually in front of each other. We, but we also try to do this with busyness, try to prove that we're, you know, doing better than we actually are. I, I, this is my most difficult thing. I, it's a hard thing for me to stop. It's so hard for me because when I stop, I have to not only recognize that I have problems that I can't fix, but then there's problems around me that I can't deal with and I can't fix. Busyness almost like prevents me from thinking about those things. So I stay busy so I don't have to deal with it. The biggest way that we do this, trying to prove that we're perfect with each other is conversation. You know, How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. You know, how are you doing? Too blessed to be stressed. You know, like we, we have sayings so we don't have to actually tell people what's really happening with us. Right? And, and Look, the Bible and I'm not encourage, Bible's not and I'm not encouraging you to like, spill your guts to the barista at Starbucks when they ask you how you're doing. But, but the point is, happy, blessed is the one who does not lean on their perfection but leans on how forgiven they are. That's what this psalm's about. Scott Saul, is a pastor in Nashville, he puts it this way It's essential to begin our journey together with this truth in our minds and hearts that the first step in becoming like Jesus is acknowledging how unlike Jesus we are and knowing that he loves us just the same. We must not try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Rather, we must realize that we don't even have boots. We can stop, we can stop pretending, we can stop acting. <laughs> because we can confess, we can be real, because that's what makes us happy. not trying to handle everything on our own. So we can confess. We also can confess, we can be honest, we can be open, because hiding actually hurts. The consequence of hiding hurts. You see this. Verses 3 and 4, David speaking in this psalm says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. His bones are are wasting away. He's internally nagged. You know, he feels it on the inside. He's groaning on the outside, though. He's actually visibly sad. He feels this, and his energy is gone. You've done something, you've thought something, you've said something, where it almost dragged you down. You You didn't have the ability to be yourself anymore. That's what David That's what this hypothetical person is feeling right now. What's interesting is if you stop and pause and ask why he's feeling that, he says in verse 4, your heavy hand was on me. God is making him feel this. A side note would be this, not all pain is bad. Sometimes God actually gets our attention through allowing us to feel pain. Allowing us to feel pain. What's going on in our lives. If, if you actually feel God's heavy hand, it's easy to think that God doesn't love you because of that. It's actually proof that he does. Because he lays his heavy hand on you to wake you up. That's what he's doing here. And what's interesting is that the gift here is guilt. It is pain. The gift though is not living in it. It's a gift to feel guilt. It's not a gift to live in it. Because you see, David, immediately he feels it and he does something with it. He confesses. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't cover up my iniquity. And you think, okay, he's going to beg. He's going to you know, beg a lot for forgiveness. He's going to make a bunch of promises. God, I'm not going to do this. I promise I won't do this again. He's going to you know, clean something up in his life. He doesn't do any of that. What's amazing in this psalm isn't so much that the person is forgiven or that David is forgiven, but how easily it seems that God does it. I mean, you look at uh, the end of verse 5. You forgave my guilt. You forgave the guilt of my sin. I confessed you forgave. God's ready to forgive this person. You know, about, about a year ago, I don't know if you caught this, but there was a uh, uh, graduation speech given at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, and the speaker uh, was Robert F. Smith. He was a, a billionaire CEO of some tech company, and he's speaking to class of 2019, and he says many nice things. People are listening. Probably some people are zoning out because you tend to <laughs> during graduation ceremonies. And he stops, and he gets their attention with this. He says, class of 2019, my family and I want to actually cancel all of your student loans. Your student loans are gone. Soon, what you hear is over here, people start clapping lightly. Some people over here start cheering. Some people in the back start going, MVP, MVP, MVP. Why? Because class of 2019 had $40 million worth of debt. And he's saying, I'm canceling it. It's gone. They, they interviewed a student afterward who had $200,000 of debt. And he says, we, we cried. I don't have to live off peanut butter jelly sandwiches anymore. I was shocked. My heart dropped. Because in a moment, it was like the burden had been taken off. What, what's amazing about this is that Robert F. Smith, when he went up to give this graduation speech, he knew what he was going to do before he did it. He was ready to cancel all their debt. He was ready to forgive it. He was ready to lift it off of them. This is how this psalm describes God. God, God doesn't have to be begged to forgive. He wants to. He does. Our problem isn't so much that we sin. that is a problem. Our problem is that when we do, we don't think God is willing to forgive us. You know, so then we, say, we stop reading scripture. I don't deserve, I don't deserve to do that right now. You know, I had to kind of have this like waiting period. We stopped praying. God doesn't want to hear from me right now. I'm not going to open up to anybody, right? Because if God doesn't want to forgive me, then somebody else, like what are they going to think of me? If I open up to them, they're not going to accept me anymore. This psalm, what it's pressing on us is this fact. You cannot out God's grace. Not only... You know, can you go to God's word after you mess up? You should. Not only can you pray after you sin, you should. He, he wants this of you. Not only can you open up, you should. Because he's there to forgive you. He's, and others can be there to forgive you on behalf of him. Confess because it'll make us happy. Confess because hiding hurts. And lastly, confess because God's for us. He's for you. The whole psalm eventually ends by pressing this point that God's for us. Look at verse 6 and 7. Therefore, let everyone who's godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You're a hiding place to me. He's saying, pray now. The time's now. Don't wait. <laughs> the mighty waters. The mighty waters are God's judgment. They're not going to reach you. Why? Because God's your hiding place. Like He's the one that's protecting you. He's already there. And then in verses 8 and 9, it switches subjects. It's no longer David speaking in the first person. It's God speaking. And he's saying, hey, don't be stubborn. Don't be like a horse and a mule. Now, don't keep all this to yourself. Give it to me. You know, let it out. Why? Verse 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. You know, it, the, the quick aside is that who are the wicked, you know? This is a psalm of sinning. The understanding is that everybody sinned. The wicked are not just people who have sinned. They're people who have sinned and they stop trusting that God will forgive them afterward. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> has sinned. That's the understanding of the psalm. The one who trusts in the Lord, his unfailing love surrounds them. His love that won't quit, his love that won't stop. His steadfast love, his love that stays. How can David say this? David can say this because he looked back at what God had shown. God had delivered Israel from enslavement to Egypt. And he's thinking, if God delivered them from their enslavement, he can deliver me from mine. You and I have the same thing. We have more, actually, because of what Jesus did. God showed it again, what his unfailing love was like. When God came down in Jesus, what he's doing is he's actually taking your judgment, onto himself so he doesn't have to judge you. And you know, when Jesus is crying out, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is being treated like a sinner and not like a son. He's being cursed for things he didn't do so you and I could be blessed, you, you and I could be happy for things we didn't do. This is what Jesus is all about. His unfailing judgment, God's unfailing judgment, fell on Jesus so his unfailing love could fall on us. That's why God can do this. That's why God is ready and willing to do this. He wants to. Because his unfailing love is there in Jesus for you. This is also why I love this psalm so much. You look at the last verse. Notice that the psalm begins and ends. A a sin psalm, if you will, begins and ends with happiness and rejoicing. (laughs) Blessed is the one. Blessed is the one. And then verse 11, rejoice in the Lord. Be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Rejoice and sing. <laughs> um, he's, it, it's, not, it's not a permission to rejoice and to sing. It's a command. He's, he's lovingly telling us, rejoice. Because I've already dealt with everything that you hate about yourself. I've already dealt with everything that's wrong with you and the world. You can rejoice. You don't have to wait you know, I'll end with this, I, uh, years ago, wife and I were in Nashville, Tennessee, moved to St. Louis, uh, which we loved, uh, Emily's from St. Louis, so we, um, we moved up there and a family gave us some tables, gave us uh, some chairs, gave us a bunch of things, and they wanted us to transfer two antique chairs up to St. Louis to give to a seminary professor, who I was about to have, who was a friend of theirs, his name's Jay Sklar. Jay Sklar, is a world-renowned hebrew scholar and kyle might have had him but yeah he did um world-renowned hebrew scholar and i had not met him yet i'm about to meet him about to give him these antique chairs and i want to make a good impression on him And i'm a little nervous it is a big deal so when we get to our new house that we're renting jay comes over he brings his truck we talk for a little bit he's super kind and we start moving these antique chairs into his truck so we move one chair fine no problem the second chair, I grabbed it in such a way on its uh, handles that the handle broke. And I look over at Jay and I just say, I'm so sorry, Jay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll pay for it, I'll fix it, I'll glue it, I'll do something, just let me, let me deal with it. And he looks at me so calm, I'll never forget this. He looks at me and he says, Brooks, it's okay. I've got it, I'll fix it. I said, Jay, no, I'm so sorry. Like I, I didn't, I'm, I, really, I really will, I'll pay for it, I'll do something, he says, Brooks, don't worry about it. You're fine. I'll deal with it. Me and Ski, his wife, we'll deal with it. It's on us. Five or six days later, he calls me and leaves a voicemail on my phone and just says, Hey, Brooks, I, just want, I was thinking of you today. I just wanted to let you know, again, you're fine with the chair. It's okay. Like, don't worry. Because he knew that I was still worrying about it. Jay was acting like Jesus. He was saying, I've handled your problem." I've dealt with everything that's wrong with you. You don't have to deal with that. You can go away today and rejoice because my unfailing love surrounds you. So go with that today, that Jesus' love is for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that this psalm is true. We thank you so much that you didn't just say it, but you actually broke into existence you broke into our world you broke into history physically in jesus for us we ask that you would press the fact on us today that no matter what we are forgiven in you and we get to be happy and rejoice today because of you we pray this all in the name of jesus amen